Hi, my name is Joe Hancock, founder of His Vessel Ministries, and your host for Becoming His Vessel podcast. Often say in this thing called life, I may not always get it right, but my heart is to get it right. So my heart's desire is that this would be a resource for me as well as you, that we would be formed by God's Word, filled with Father God, and just poured out for His glory, truly becoming His vessel. We as Christians have commingled some of the things that God wrote in His Word. We've commingled those with some of our traditions and how important it is that whatever man passes on to us in the form of a tradition, before we accept it, and incorporate it into our lives, we need to examine it. And we need to examine it with the Word of God. So the next thing I want us to look at, the Lord's Supper is what we as Christians choose to do according to the Word of God that to celebrate and remember the death of Jesus. But there's another thing that we as Christians do to celebrate and remember the resurrection, not celebrating the feast, but is Resurrection Day or Resurrection Sunday. So that's what we want to look at. And the tradition, we call it Easter. And so if I were to say the word Easter, every one of you would clearly identify what I was talking about, the season that we're in, what you were going to get ready to do. But the problem is, with point number one, as I've said, the Christian community has commingled the remembrance of Christ's resurrection with the pagan idolatry of Easter. Now, why do I say that? It's based on going back as far as you can to when the tradition started and was handed to man and the next man and the next man to where we actually receive the tradition in our hands and we carry it out. I want to go back and just briefly tell you the history behind Easter. It's going to be very enlightening. It goes all the way back to Noah. And in the days of Noah, in the book of Genesis, you know that God destroyed the earth with a flood. He told Noah, put your family in this ark and I'm going to spare your family. And so we did. So we had this new generation of Noah that came forth and the great-grandson of Noah, his name was Nimrod. And Nimrod, his name means rebel. Oh, that's a red flag right there, isn't it? And listen, in the Old Testament, names were important. Names are important to God. Those of you that are expecting children, you mothers or grandmothers that are expecting grandchildren, begin now to pray for that name because it's important. It is extremely important to Father God. So Nimrod's name is Rebel. Now Nimrod formed a kingdom of his own, and it began in Babel. And this was in the land of Shinar, which is Babylon, what we know as Babylon. Well, the Babylonians were the sons of Babel. And so what happened was that when God was bringing the Hebrew children out of Egypt, took them into the promised land where they were living among the enemy and God said, go destroy the enemy and whatever you do, don't commingle with the enemy. 
Don't take on any of their customs. Don't acquire any of their traditions. You stay in remembrance of who I am. And that is the tradition. That is what you walk out in your life. But the very first thing that the Israelites did is they forgot the Word of God. They did not hide God's Word in their heart. And so they did not fear God. Why? Because Exodus 20, 20 says, If you fear God, you will not sin against God. Ladies, how do we keep from sinning? You fear God. You know, we talk about, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just caught up in this problem and that problem, and I, I just sin. No, the answer is fear God. I didn't say that. Exodus 20, 20 says that. And that's where America needs to get, is back to the fear of the Lord. Therefore, we will walk sinless. I'm talking about habitual sin. Nimrod now is in Babylon. And it's a pagan environment. And the Israel, so to speak, got in bed with the Babylonians. They commingled their customs with the enemy. And so Nimrod, the people worshipped him as a god. And that he was a god in Babylon. So rather than the people worshipping God, Jehovah, who had delivered them out of bondage, they had quickly forgotten God and they began to worship Nimrod and the God in Babylon. Right here in the Word of God is where we see the first religion that is opposing God. They're opposite. They're against God. What is that? They've established idols in their heart. And so point number two, idolatry of old Babylon is the root of Easter. Now, why do I say that? Because Nimrod, who worshipped the pagan gods in the land of Babylon, when he was married to a woman named Beltis, when Nimrod died, the story goes that Beltis claimed that Nimrod really didn't die that he just ascended up into the heavens. And because he was known as Sun God, the rays of the sun impregnated Beltis, supposedly the dead Nimrod, impregnated her while she was still alive down here on earth, and she bore a son, and his name was Tammuz. Now, is any of this lining up with counterfeit or not? Because we know that Christ came from heaven. You see, ascended, came down from heaven, and walked here and was the only virgin birth from the Holy Spirit of God. You see all this without me explaining it. Okay, so Tomas was born on December the 25th. That was his birthday. Through these rays of the sun, Beltise was impregnated and she brought forth this child. The Babylonians began to worship this child as the sun god. Now I'm talking about S-U-N, sun. See the counterfeit? After Nimrod died, the people in Babylon, they 
were devoted followers of this sun god worship. And so to remember him and carry on the worship, they erected a tower, which is a huge obelisk. It's an image of an uncircumcised penis of Nimrod. And they worshiped that. And it was a huge monument that went way up into the sky so that they could remember him and worship him. They continued to worship the sun god. Now, when Rome conquered the Persian area there in the Babylonian area, the Roman army adopted this worship and thus carried on this worship of Tammuz. And so it's just passed from generation to generation to generation, the worship of the sun god. And they even took as one of their symbols of their worship a word that means cross. And so they're worshiping this. When Rome conquered Jerusalem, they hung the Jewish patriots on the cross as sacrifices to the Roman sun god who was born on December the 25th. Tammuz died. Remember who Tammuz is? He's this child that was born of Beltis, that was the supposedly the, I guess they would have called him the son of Nimrod, I don't know, illegitimate child of Batiste is what he really is. And he, when he was 40 years old, he was killed by a wild boar in a hunting accident at the age, at the age of 40. And so, because they were so distraught and moved by this, the worshipers of the sun god began weeping and mourning over his death, and they did that for 40 days. One day representing each year of his life. And so this was a custom that they continued to carry out. Now, some years later, Beltis, remember who she is? the wife of Nimrod, she dies. And she is exalted to be known as the Queen of Heaven. And as the story goes, she was sent back to earth by gods on the first Sunday after the vernal equinox. Ladies, when is that? Supposedly, she just came back to earth. But she didn't just come back. She arrived in a giant egg, and it landed in the Euphrates River. Now, where is that? Babylon. And this egg breaks open, and she emerges as a reincarnated, bare-breasted goddess of fertility and sexual desire. You know what her name is? Beltes, who died, came back, broke open in this egg. They named her Ishtar, which means Easter, from the egg. Now, to proclaim her divinity, Easter changed the bird that she came in into an egg-laying rabbit because she was the goddess of fertility. What are rabbits known for? Fertility. They came up with this idea to dye Easter eggs. What would happen 
in one area of Jerusalem, in the Canaanite caves, they designated this area as a worship of Easter and for the sun to moose. And the priests of Easter, which is Ishtar, would impregnate virgins on the altar of Easter. Now, Easter, I'm referring to this God, okay? At the Easter sunrise service. And one year later, the priests would take these children that were born as a result of these virgins being impregnated, and by this the children were three months old, and they would offer these children, these infants, they would take and offer them as a sacrifice and take the blood from the infants and dye the eggs red. Now remember they were celebrating 40 days of weeping over the death of Tammuz. And at the end of the 40 days, they would celebrate Easter, Ishtar, the sun day, S-U-N day. And that was the day set aside for the sun, S-U-N, sun day, sun god worship. And it was the conclusion of the 40 days of the weeping of Tammuz, which came, became known as Lent, thus beginning some pagan worship. So where does this take us back? The enemy always brings a counterfeit because he's always trying to get your attention off of the cross and onto him. And so, because we as Christians have designated to remember Jesus and his resurrection, we've chosen to do that on the Sunday, Resurrection Day. But the enemy, through his pagan hearts and through idolatry, created a way to mimic or to bring a counterfeit And that's okay if the enemy wants to do that. But what has happened is the Christian community has commingled that into our day of remembrance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we don't even know what we're doing. We don't even realize it. Why? Well, because of the cross. We remember the cross, and we remember the resurrection, and we get up and have the sunrise service, and that is wonderful, and we go to church on the Sunday to remember the resurrection, but then we get the Easter baskets, and we get the Easter eggs, and we dye the Easter eggs, and we know that the Easter bunny came, and he left these eggs, and we go out hunting for them. Then there's always one Easter egg that's got a prize in it, and when it pops open, it's supposed to be something good for us. Some of y'all may do that, some family, I don't know. But we have taken the pagan worship of Ishtar, which means Easter, and brought it into our tradition. And we don't even know. And what did we say tradition is supposed to do? When man hands you this, what is your responsibility? To inspect it, to see if it does what? Lines up with the Word of God. If the pagans and the Babylonians and their descendants want to worship Ishtar, should we do that because they want to? No. God says to remember me. Now, point number three, the pagan worship of Easter was prophesied 
by Ezekiel. He said, he told them that Tammuz is coming. And so don't get in bed with the enemy. Don't commingle what you do with the worship of pagan gods. Separate yourself. Come out from under it. Because you see, all it's going to do is to control you. It will lead you astray. And have we been led astray or what? Now, many times it is innocent, is it not? But we as believers must take the responsibility to inspect what has been handed to us. And we have a responsibility to trace the roots all the way back to the beginning. And looking at the history of Easter, it is nothing but rooted in paganism and idolatry. Not Resurrection Sunday. This is why we refer to it as Resurrection Day. What we will be celebrating, it will be Resurrection Day, not Easter. Now, Israel did not obey God's command to cleanse the paganism, but rather adopted the practice of heathens. In other words, God said, come out of Babylon. Did they? No, they did not come out. God said, fear me, do not fear man. But they feared what these gods would do to them. And they were attracted to that practice of idolatry. And before they knew it, they were following it. God said, don't even marry into that. Separate yourself. What did we say that the feast um, of unleavened bread was? To separate ourselves from the world. And so when you remember the feast of unleavened bread, you are saying, I choose to separate myself from the enemy. And you remember when God in Exodus brought the Hebrew children out of the pagan land from the Egyptians and separated them from that idolatry and put them in the promised land and separated them from the enemies, he gave them a warning. Don't go back. Don't commingle yourself. Cleanse your land. Cleanse the land of the practices and the idolatry. And the people didn't do it. And then God said, you fear me and you obey me. Because you see, when you fear God, you will obey him. When you fear God, you know what the fear of God is? It's when you choose to recognize that Father God is the authority. He is the authority. And because of his position of authority, you choose to get yourself up under that authority. And you humble yourself to whatever he says. That is good. Why? It's for your protection. But you see, just knowing that he's the sovereign God is not enough. The Babylonians knew that he was the sovereign God. But it's knowing that he is sovereign God and then choosing to humble yourself under him and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when you fear him, you will obey him. And when he says it's time to cleanse the land, ladies, I'm telling you, it is time to cleanse the land. It is time to clean our homes. We cannot use the excuse that we're ignorant or just didn't know. We know. God said just stick with the word. And God wants us to remember 
that Jesus, who was born from a virgin birth, he did ascend back after his death, and he is at the right hand of the Father. And God wants us to remember that. And he says, if you will obey me, you will fear me and obey me, he said, it will keep you from sin. What will it do? It'll keep your homes clean and it'll keep your heart clean. You know, God is so simple. He is so simple and so direct. So what we have to do by knowing the truth is to choose to remember God and choose to remember Jesus, who is our Redeemer. So what do we do? We can always look to the old to see how God wants us to remember him. So obviously, God does want us to remember the resurrection because he incorporated the Feast of first fruits into the seven times of celebration to remember God. And that was the resurrection. So as Christians, we are not bound to observe the feast. You can if you choose to, remember. But we have chosen in our Christian community to celebrate Resurrection Day. But I think, Father, God is saying, cleanse the land. Don't commingle what you do with idolatry. And don't commingle it with the customs of the pagan worship. And I think what God would say is, evaluate what you're doing. Evaluate what you're doing to remember God. And whatever you're doing that is a custom or a tradition that does not line up with the Word of God, I think God is saying, cleanse it. Cleanse it. Fear me. Reverence me. And just obey me. You know what I thought about? Would this not simplify Easter weekend? Would this not simplify our lives, ladies? Just go back to what God says. Remember Him and rest in that remembrance. What are some things? I thought, okay, God, how do you want us to cleanse our home? He said, start by looking around. Take the east rabbits and replace them with the lamb. Replace them with the lamb. Because resurrection followed the Passover when the lamb, the unblemished lamb, was sacrificed. And he did arise from the tomb. And he is at the right hand of the Father. And we need to remember the resurrection of the perfect lamb. So God said, get your rabbits out. We don't need any rabbits. And then God said, look at the Easter eggs. What has an egg got to do with the resurrection? It doesn't. It's about the pagan worship of the unholy God. Do you see what I'm saying? God said, you can just eliminate the Easter egg hunts. You can eliminate dying the Easter eggs. You can get all of that out of your house. Replace it with the lamb and replace it with the cross. And does that not just simplify it? Now, and make the object of your worship Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, ladies, I see a lot of worship of bunny rabbits and eggs and Easter egg hunts. I mean, listen, I've been guilty of this, but I'm trying to cleanse my land, 
as the Holy Spirit leads me. And ladies, I'm going to say this. Do you know whose job it is to do it? Not for the city to say, no more Easter egg hunts. It's up to the home. And you know whose job it is in the home? It's not for the children to decide, we just don't want an Easter egg hunt this year, Mommy. It's up to the mother and the father because they're the authorities. And God is saying, will you cleanse the land? Because until we cleanse the land, we cannot rightfully possess the land. And I am telling you, I am telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, whoever possesses the land is the authority. Does this make sense? Whoever possesses the land is in authority. Why do you think that people who worship gods other than the sovereign God of this universe are coming after our land? Why do you think they're coming after the land? Because whoever owns the land controls. And God is saying right now, will you decide to possess the land? But to possess it, you have to cleanse the land. And you got to go into your own heart and clean it up. Get rid of the idolatry. Then go into your own homes and cleanse the home so that you can possess the land, so that you can say, I own this land. And if I own this land, I have the right to say what will happen in this land. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is something God's been showing me for the last couple of years. And it's time for us to possess the land. And what God has really been impressing upon me, it starts with us women, individually, in our individual homes. And I believe God is wanting us to know what idolatry is in our home and start getting it out. So we rightfully possess our land. It all started back when the Israelites refused to fear God and obey Him, refused to cleanse the land. So what happened? They lost it. They lost it. Ladies, we should not be naive to think that we could be in a position we could lose our possession. Get the idolatry out. Remove that rabbits and replace it with the lamb and the cross. And on Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, worship the lamb. Worship the lamb. Thank you for listening to the Becoming His Vessel podcast. If you'd like to receive more resources that would help guide you in becoming His Vessel, I invite you to visit our website at www.hisvessel.org. If you'd like to connect with me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me by calling 334-356-4478. And my prayer is that you would seek to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength as you seek to become His vessel.